When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Bottoming the podcast about LGBTQ mental health, rock-bottoming and beyond. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BottomingPod or visit BottomingPodcast.com for more content relating to each episode. We've also added a support page to direct you to the right place if you're struggling or need someone to talk to. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Hello, I'm Matthew. And I'm Brendan, and our pronouns are he and him. So it was a heavy episode last week, wasn't it? In the end. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> it's very nice to get it out there, though. <laughs> yeah, I think even as soon as, yeah, maybe not as soon as, but a couple of days after we recorded and kind of mm. lifted back out of that mindset, it definitely felt good to say everything out loud. I mean, for me specifically, I'd never said those words to you before. Mm -hmm. And I know I would have touched upon it, obviously, because you read the episodes that I wrote, but I don't think you'd heard me say it before. So it was quite a big thing. But the response we've had has been really, Mm -hmm. really amazing. Yeah, thank you so much to everyone that has got in touch and either shared really kind words or shared their own experiences as well. And I Mm -hmm. think that kind of just reaffirms what we're doing this for. Um, We say it again and again, like, talking about this and the reason that we want to talk about our experiences because we want to make it easier even if it's for one other person mm-hmm. and we know that by you know if, if someone else is in a similar situation or a little bit unsure about what to do or a little bit lost hopefully hearing another person discuss their their experiences ugly or not ugly mm-hmm. like you know i mean like last time both of us <laughs> cried while we recorded it um <laughs> that's which, the first it is, yeah. We thought, considering the topics we've covered, but yeah, we're just very thankful um, for for everyone for listening and, and for the response because, yeah, it, it was a very tough one to record. So thank you all very, very much. 
So we have named um, this episode after the book, actually, The Magnificent Sons by Justin Myers, who mm-hmm. is our guest this week. To summarise, <laughs> it's a coming out story. Mm-hmm. Um, main character realises he is bisexual. He has a very um, very proud, openly gay, flamboyant, younger gay brother. Mm-hmm. And coming to terms with what that means for him and the life around him. Listening to the audiobook was... I mean, it was a bit of an experience, if I'm honest. That gorgeous man's voice. He did have a gorgeous voice. Which was voiced by the gorgeous Joe Jameson. And yeah, some of those steamy sections got a bit hot mm. under the collar, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, I had to unbutton, yeah. unbutton my shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a very excellent read. I didn't really know what I was expecting, to be honest, to get into mm. <clears throat> so initially for this episode, we, for last last one you heard, the last time you heard, heard us speaking, um, we were asking you to send us our, your coming out stories, good, bad, ugly, etc, etc. Since then, we've spoken we've read to, the book. <laughs> we've read the book um, <laughs> and spoken to Justin, the guy liner, and uh, we've wanted to reframe the episode based on the book and the themes within the book. So... We are going to hold on to those uh, voice notes that you've already sent us, but we're going to save them for an ep- another episode coming up later in the year. So mm-hmm. apologies for the slight change in schedule. Yeah, but thank you for getting in touch and sharing with us. Like we said in the intro, the main theme of the book is all around the coming out of the main character jake as bisexual and it does get you reflecting on those awkward conversations you have to have with family members with friends (laughs) and unfortunately yes we still have to do that kind of thing both matthew and i spoke about our coming out experiences to our parents in our upbringing episode back in first season back in 2019 but we didn't actually go into some of our coming out experiences with friends, I don't think. No, I don't think we did either. Do you have any juicy stories for me? I mean, I guess the, the why the process of coming out, mm-hmm. I think, obviously, it's, it's a much longer journey, isn't it, for everyone? Mm. Um, I think when I reflect on my own journey, I can remember from when I was probably maybe year three or four. Mm-hmm. that I was I was now I could say gay mm-hmm. or queer or different in, in whatever way that was but at the time I didn't understand that's what it was and I think from then it was a case of navigating that difference the entire time it wasn't until I was in high school probably year eight or year nine and I had a, f- a group of friends was five of us <laughs> we'd all the queers united, uh, the queers we spoke about <laughs> before yeah um we all found each other <laughs> um and it was like unspoken amongst us until I think it was year nine. And then I remember it was one night over MSN. And it was kind of a mix of group chats and single chats. And one person had come out and basically was just like, yeah, I'm gay. I've had enough of being bullied for being gay. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm gay. Yeah, I'm gay. So take it as that. <laughs> and then it was one person was like, this person said they're gay. Are you gay as well? Or oh, this other person said that they're bi. Are you? Are you? And it was like a a really weird Domino situation effect. where yeah where a few out of the five of us i think three people came out within so a quite quick succession mm. um kind of using this msn chat as a catalyst i guess mm-hmm. 
and then it just kind of was a bit of an unspoken thing and I think I was always so self-conscious and ashamed about it that I didn't like and I didn't formally come out and say I was gay to my friends at the time until um I was in in first year of college but I remember at the time like and reflecting on it now I understand it as being my way of processing the shame that Mm. goes with it but I very much did do one of the common things that you hear about a lot of people do and say Mm -hmm. I told myself that I must be bi or I told myself that I must still be attracted to women Mm. and maybe men it was a little bit and I made that mistake of doing of doing that which when we reflect on that now minimizes bisexuality as a Mm. an authentic an identity Mm -hmm. but I I struggled for quite a few years to come to terms with who I was what I was um but it all happened over the Easter holiday, actually. So happy anniversary to me. <laughs> um, but it all happened over the Easter holiday in first year college when it all kind of really escalated within just a couple of weeks. Um, thank you, Tumblr, for opening me up to a lot of LGBT content, mm-hmm. education, films, documentaries and stuff as well that kind of um, lit the fireworks, I guess, on a lot of it. But I also read um, the book Hero by Perry Moore. Mm. His book was a queer book it was a gay book and it was about a um young teenager coming to terms of being gay and it was like superhero themed and it essentially gave me the confidence to come out to myself as being gay to then be able to speak to me friends about it in college and speak to me more about it but um i know i mentioned it in in the previous episode so i'll be quick with this one but i'd basically been been out getting hammered had stayed over somewhere my mum thought I'd been locked up, had been arrested for dealing drugs or taking drugs or whatever, you know, whatever their mind had gone with it. Um, so she was like st- stressed about where I'd been. I walked to um, Polly and Carly's house at the time, um, two best mates in Liverpool. Walked, they were both sleeping over, went to theirs, floods of tears and told them, said for the first time, like, I'm gay. And their reaction was literally nothing like the plainest of the thing they were like yeah uh and like we knew when we met you like back mm-hmm. in september like this is not news like why why do you feel like you need to be so upset telling us about this like you you, sh- you shouldn't need to be feeling like this with us but yeah it was it was obviously for me very fortunately a, a good um response to my friends um and then likewise from your mum So what about you? What was your coming out journey like? Um, well, similar to you, I think I yeah always knew, really. I think there was some, yeah, like boys I fancied, even like, yeah, primary school. Um, I came out officially to my mum when I was about 14, 13 or 14. And then I came out to my friends at 16, I think. And it was at this house party. And... I had my blonde in my fringe and I was wearing like this bright purple top and like really, really black skinny jeans, right? Super, super skinny. Um, Converse, obviously. Um, (laughs) Had a cigarette in one hand, like a Smirnoff ice in the other. And um, one of my friends came over to me and she saw me smoking and she was like, Brendan, what are you doing? Because obviously I'd been quite, you know, cute and fine (laughs) before that. 
and I was like, it's the new Brendan. And then that was my nickname for, like, because they were taking the piss out of me. I was, oh, it's the new Brendan. Um, but, yeah, we're all lying on, down on the grass. And, yeah, I told them then. And like you, I didn't really get much of a reaction. Obviously, they, like, hugged me and they're like, oh, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Really, really pleased for you. But, yeah, we always knew because <laughs> they do always know. Um, but the thing is, saying it out loud for yourself mm-hmm. is the difference. Yeah. And that suddenly makes everything real. And it means that whatever life that you want to have starts from then onwards because mm-hmm. you're being true true about yourself mm-hmm. uh, to people that are closest to you. And yeah, that was really, really great because also I, ha- I had some really close guy friends as well. And I was really nervous that because they were straight that they disowned me for, for being gay but again, equally, they just gave me a hug and they were like, absolutely, this is amazing. And I had a really positive experience from that. But like with everything we kind of touch upon within this podcast, there's so many different variations and so many different uh, stories that people have around these very specific and seemingly similar circumstances. Mm-hmm. And you say, taking coming out, for instance... I might think of it as, oh yeah, this nice joyous experience. For someone else, it could be, yeah, the start of their the worst part of their life. So, equally, I am so so grateful for the for the yeah response I had in those moments. There was times where I definitely went back into myself because of sh- uh, shame related um, things and yeah other things that I've spoken about in the podcast before. But I think it's really important that you do get that initial acceptance mm-hmm. for you to realize that the feelings aren't uh, incorrect and that you are valid. And so, um, yeah, I think it's really important for everyone to have that kind of experience. So, The Magnificent Sons by Justin Myers, mm-hmm. um, who some of you may know as the Guyliner. So I followed Justin's blogs for many years now. Um, it was an anonymous dating blog for many years where he reviewed um, <laughs> reviewed Guardians Blind Dates, which were fantastic. Um, but yeah, he has now published Author. This is his second book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's out April the 15th on paperback. It's got a gorgeous, bright orange cover, which mm-hmm. you will not miss. And yeah, the reviews are already in. Russell T. Davis... Um, has left a fantastic review. Great reviews all around. We loved it. We would recommend it. Um, definitely want to read. We are now going to chat to Justin and hear a little bit more about the book. Hi, I'm Justin Myers, also known as the Guyliner for various dull reasons, and my pronouns are he and him. So your book, The Magnificent Sons, um, shows the importance um, of highlighting a bisexual coming-of-age story. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about what inspired the book? Yeah, well, I wanted to do something quite different from my first one. The Last Romeo is more of a peppy, shall we say, kind of fairly light comedy about a guy looking for love. And I wanted to do, I've always wanted to do a coming out story. And I really wanted to look at what a coming out story might play like now, as in today, when we're in this really confusing area where obviously there's surface level equality at an absolute peak and yet there are still the same misunderstandings and prejudices bubbling under the surface everywhere. You know, lots have changed, lots has changed, but people are still people. Um, and 
as for why I wanted it to be a bisexual story, well, really, um, I thought bisexual people were underrepresented um, in commercial fiction, I suppose, other than it being like a tool for titillation or used as a surprise. <laughs> I have sex with men too, or I have sex with women too, you know, like a plot device. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about bisexuality in the LGBTQ community, uh, a lot of derision. And I wanted to look at that and see how a bi guy would navigate that in the current climate. And that's why I made his younger brother mm-hmm. more openly gay and very comfortable with himself. Because, you know, I wanted to show that even though we're all under this umbrella of different sexualities and genders and identities that's supposed to unite us, no two experiences are really the same. You know, even if you grow up in the same family. Yeah, like you say, even within the gay community, um, I, when I was younger, obviously had still that kind of naivety of like, buy now, gay later, and just mm. absolutely mm-hmm. not um, seeing it as a legitimate sexual orientation. I just didn't really, yeah, think about it. So it's really refreshing to mm-hmm. see this type of story um, made central. It's often mm-hmm. seen as a stepping stone, isn't it, yeah. to the, the full experience. And I think people give it less credibility. And mm-hmm. you can tell when people are talking about bisexuality that they just see it as... It's almost like it's a kink, I suppose, because mm. it has those connotations of threesomes and orgies and greed, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I really wanted to explore that. A couple of the topics around Jake's journey to understanding himself... Um, one of them is his new awareness of LGBT issues. One of them is speaking up at work when there's something that he realizes he probably should take a bit of a stand on. Um, and there's the odd moments of schooling on misogyny and biphobia. And then there's also this um, journey throughout of the guilt after he comes out um, and how he moves past this. And we found that um, the conversation that he has with Hot Will about year zero and stages, not ages, really interests him. And also how Jake considered how different this would have gone if he'd have been having this conversation with a woman, considering Hot Wheels' age. How would you say that these issues play into how society views bisexual people compared to lesbian or gay people? I think with the biphobia and the misogyny and the homophobia part, it was really important for me to have that in there um, and for it to be quite unflinching and sometimes for it not to be called out. And I didn't really read many reviews for the book, apart from on the day it, it came out in hardback. And I saw some people who said, oh, there's, there's biphobia in it. And sometimes it's called out and sometimes it's not. Well, we don't always have the energy to call that kind of thing out. And, you know, for example, if women called out every instance of sexism, they wouldn't have time to do anything else. You know, you have to pick your battles. And even in a novel that aims to be light and funny, there are still these microaggressions that, as you know, as mm-hmm. we know ourselves, we face all the time. It's a daily reality. So I really wanted that to be in there. With the Hot Wheel thing, well, there's like a stereotype or a cliche, isn't there? I'm not sure how you describe it. But like a, a bisexual woman is seen as straight, but just trying this out. Um, while a bisexual guy is gay, but in denial or not ready to let go of that mm-hmm. straight side of him. And I think Jake really struggles with that because he definitely feels that part of him still, you know, he's still feeling that, that, leaning towards the way he acted when he was on the surface of it, a straight man. And like his patter with women is quite disastrous, but it's very different from the way he speaks to men. And, you know, in fact, he's terrified of using chat up lines on men and and doesn't. And he's usually quite a passive uh, force in in those interactions. You know, he, he waits to be chatted up. He doesn't really 
he's kind of he's totally new at being sexual with men. Uh, he doesn't understand the rules, so he applies everything through a lens of what would be appropriate if this were a, a male mm-hmm. female interaction, which is what he's used to. And so the bit with Hot Will, it's quite an emotionally charged part of the book. Um, and there were so many ways it could have gone and indeed did go in different drafts until I settled on it to go this way. And I think with Hot Will being 19, almost 19, and Jake 30, Hot Will seems more experienced to Jake. Although he probably isn't, but Jake is a complete novice and useless at this. So someone like Hot Will seems... You know, he looks and sounds self-assured. But Jake realizes that even though Hot Wheel does have a point about ages and stages, and, you know, basically the ages and stages thing is that, you know, it's about the year zero. So if you come out at 18, it's, it's the same as if you come out at 30, which is true-ish. But I, I think that there's still that level of care that Jake feels he has to give. And he's right, I suppose, in thinking that if Hot Wheel were a 19-year-old woman, he would look like a massive creep to be making a move on him. We know people think like this, you know, we, we, we read about it all the time. So why should this be any different? If Whether he's right or not, I don't know because I don't, I think there are lots of reasons people date older and younger people and it's not always about exploitation or an obsession with power. It's about how you connect, but it's probably too early in Jake's journey to put that to the test. Um, and the family has also known Hot Wheels since he was a child. Uh, so that would, and he's Trick's best friend. So it, there's other reasons it would be icky apart from the age thing. But the age thing, you know, is a big thing. And we do often see, don't we, quite young guys going out with older men when they first come out. There, There is definitely something in that, um, that level of maturity that we don't always have. But even though we may not have the emotional maturity, we still have the social maturity and we still have that sense of what is right and what's wrong. And Jake is still finding his balance and finding what's 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 right for us. And I do think that, you know, from personal experience, homosexual relationships are viewed with that lens anyway by straight people as being creepy and exploitative. And, you know, everything is about protecting children mm. from gayness and, you know, shielding them from gay stories, you know, like the whole um, outcry over drag queens mm-hmm. reading in libraries and stuff. You know, so... I suppose it's like a, a very small example of Jake being very aware, perhaps for the first time, how things look differently if you are, uh, if there's a gay element to your relationship than how than the, than the straight. Mm-hmm. Things are more acceptable, you know, in, in the straight world, I suppose. And he, he's becoming aware of that for the first time. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the coming out specifically, Jake's responses to some of those close to him and how he treats them after coming out is an implosion of sorts. Is this reflective of your own coming out story and how years of hidden built-up emotions play out? Yes, he doesn't handle that very well, does he? <laughs> uh, to say the least. All coming out stories are different. Mm-hmm. And we build up the big event into something huge in our heads. And often we don't get the reaction we are expecting. And sometimes we get exactly the reaction we're expecting, mm-hmm. usually negatively. You know, there's, there's good and bad in that. So for, for this part of Jake's story, I suppose I did delve a little bit into my own experiences and not wanting to be labeled and being quite annoyed at not being able to control how people perceived me. Um, I always say that one of the first things many gay men do when they come out is they insist they're not like other gay men. (laughs) And there's like this bedding in period where they try to reject all the cliches or the stereotypes or whatever. It's like a body 
trying to get used to a new organ after a transplant. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, get it away from me. But you have to keep a really close (laughs) eye on it. And eventually you do come down from that hysteria and settle in and find your place in the world eventually. But it can take a long time. You know that I'm not like other gay people. I must have said that hundreds of times. And I came out quite late, a bit like Jake. Not as late as 30. I was 25. So, you know, I put some of the things I put in Jake that were my story. I put the worst bits in because I wanted them to be in there. I thought it was really important to show that we make mistakes and we do Mm. hurt people when we come out. But sometimes that's just something we have to do. Mm. And there's no way around it. And it's about how understanding everyone around you is. Obviously, it's not a license to act like a horrible person. No. But it's just a fact, isn't it? Sometimes you are changing someone's expectations of you. So Mm -hmm. your parents, for example, may well mourn this person that they thought you were going to turn out to be. So it's a, you know, you're just not who, you, who they thought you were mm. and they're going to get hurt along the way. But that's a, that's the them problem, not you problem, but it's about how you manage those relationships, I suppose, which Jake does absolutely shockingly for <laughs> quite a large portion of the book. Yeah. <laughs> so talking of Jake's family and friends, um, the intergenerational relationships in the book are really, really great. So whether that's Jake and his brother and Trick's friends, um, Jake and Bertie, so is this a reflection of your own experiences with the community um, and that element of maybe kind of like sharing and passing on knowledge? Do you mean to say, was I adopted by a charming theatrical man in his 50s who bought me champagne the first time I met him? Yeah, Funnily enough, yeah. no. <laughs> no. Uh, it wasn't directly my own experience, sadly. Um, but there were always, I remember, because I, I used to go clubbing a lot when I first came out. Um, so there were always one or two older gay guys who were very kind to me and warned me off, you know, certain other men and were very, I would say patient rather than kind, actually. Um, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of patience rather than kind. Kindness is good, but patience is better. (laughs) Um, so any older gay guy I did meet when I was out clubbing on the scene or whatever, they'd always be really nice. And no matter how badly behaved I was and they would kind of ignore my clumsy flirting because when I was very young and I've noticed now that I am 45 that younger gay men do it to me now (laughs) it's this kind of um you feel that because you're in the presence of an older gay man that you kind of have to flirt (laughs) and it's not like a it's not even a sexual thing it's just a look how young I am and um you were like me one day and aren't I attractive it's it's a bizarre thing and I, I I knew I was doing it um and I think I did it because, you know, unless I was attractive to everybody, I didn't feel valid anyway. Yeah. And they would just kind of gently steer the subject away from everything always being about being gay mm. and just talking normally about regular things with older gay men and women, actually, um, was very reassuring. And so in, in The Magnificent Sons, I wanted somewhere, someone in there to fulfill that role. I suppose... Um, just And also to make Jake realise maybe how how far things have come, how things could have been worse. Bertie says he was married to a woman uh, back in the day and that ended well. And then he married a man and that ended really badly. And he is older and he has a friend in in the book who's in it briefly who doesn't understand why he wants to be around younger gay men and and thinks it's a suspicious thing. Uh, So I just wanted someone, a a gentle soul in in there that would kind of maybe uh, balance Jake out a bit and, and bring him down from his 
cloud of uh, hysteria. He was one of the earliest characters I sketched out, actually, Bertie. Mm, I thought the, the chats that he had with Kia as well were really nice because it was almost yeah. the complete opposite. It yes, was almost like so putting the, Jake in Bertie's shoes. An amazing, yeah, the amazing opportunity to uh, make Jake the old man who was out of touch. <laughs> it was brilliant. I loved, I loved writing Kia's scenes, actually. Um, what, and also, speaking actually of the ages and stages thing, Kia is only, she, she's just turned 18 and she has a very, very worldly head on her shoulders mm-hmm. because she has been forced to grow up very fast, mm-hmm. finding out who she, for listeners who haven't read the book, Kia is trans and she has had to grow up really fast working herself out. She's still getting there, obviously, but she's come a very long way. She's, you know, had life experiences that most of us, you know, don't get until we're much older. She's had to confront things much younger. So to Jake, really, she sounds like a very wise and mature person, even though she's only 18. And she, you know, she makes him look uneducated and stupid and clumsy. And when she is kind of on the surface, at least, you know, she's like a calm and authoritative figure. Moving on to the family, actually. So with my family in particular, it took a long, a lot of years to get to a place where we're able to sit down now and actually have honest conversations that involve my sexuality. And although it was obviously quite painful along the way and didn't happen in as short amount of time as it did for Jake in the book, I did really resonate with that that learning curve that comes with understanding this new person that uh, obviously the, the parents are trying to get to know this person, mm. um, this new version of Jake. It's also a luxury that a lot of families don't have, especially when kids are thrown out and they just don't yeah. even get given the chance to get to know that person. Was this an important part of the book for you? Um, I grew up as an only child, so I find families absolutely fascinating. I grew up as a working class only child, so I wrote a book about a middle class family with loads of children in it because, <laughs> um, because I'll never write science fiction, so this is as close as I'm going to get. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by family dynamics and how siblings talk to one another and how parents talk to their children and how they treat different siblings. I do have two siblings, who half-siblings, who are much younger than me. Um, they're 20 years younger than me, so I didn't grow up with them. So I think the closeness of the family was really important uh, but not as important as the fact that Jake was very unable to relate to it. So you can have these families who are really, you know, lovey-dovey. But you, there's always, if you look close enough, there's always one who is not like the others. And he feels like an outsider. He's not like them. I suppose he's lucky that they don't behave like monsters when he comes out. But in a way, their bewilderment and clumsiness, it's kind of charming, but it's also infuriating for Jake, who's been hiding this inside him for years, expecting it to blow shit up. And all it's done is just make his parents ask him even more questions and be really annoying. Um, and I suppose if he'd come out a little bit earlier, it may have been less of a trauma. But it's interesting, though, that he, he knew his parents wouldn't really get it. So he was kind of right about their reaction in a way. And it suggests that he knows them better than he thinks he does. And he is more of a part of the family than he had thought he was. And maybe that's why he held on to it for so long, because he knew they were a pain in the ass. <clears throat> but for me... I suppose this is one of the the things slightly uh, of me in Jake is that I just never felt like, I felt like an alien dropped into my my hometown and my family. I couldn't understand. I just didn't think I was anything like them at all. And, you know, I get on with them. So Jake doesn't get on with his, which is is the, the main difference. But 
I just didn't feel like them at all. I felt like I moved differently. I spoke differently. I had different ambitions and I was, you know, different pretensions. And I just felt completely different. Um, although I am quite like my parents. Now, I now realize I am quite like both my parents in a way. And there, there are elements of me that I'm, is very like my family. But at the time, when I was younger, and obviously it was probably my sexuality making me feel that way, I just didn't feel like I had connection to anybody. Mm. I was convinced there'd been a mistake at the hospital. <laughs> it was so weird. I felt like an alien. And it was not a nice feeling, but um, it didn't last that long. But I really wanted to kind of put that sense into Jake that he... You know, he should feel loved and he should feel part of this amazing family. And they are quite fun. I enjoyed writing the family as well. You know, and he's got at least one really nice sibling who does care about him. And yet he still feels completely cast adrift. It's like that old cliche, isn't it? Of you can feel alone in a crowded room, mm-hmm. I suppose. I, I love the character of the mum. She, she reminded me of my mum so much. Oh, really? Brilliant. Yeah, V. So- She's not like my mum. <laughs> So you mentioned um, Jake's mum and dad and the way that they handle um, him coming out as bi. And then there's also, obviously, he comes out a lot to a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, And the responses really do vary. Um, Initially, so Amelia is quite understanding at first. She thinks that kind of is just something that she is being told and that their relationship is going to continue. She just thinks it's another element of him. Obviously, it's much bigger than that. Um, Mm. Hannah has a slightly different response. Like... The, the boys have a different response. His mates have a very different response. Yeah. Um, and I guess it just shows that there's there's so much more to go um, with understanding what it means to be bi um, and that it is actually much harder for some people to get their head, head around them. Someone just saying, I'm gay or I'm lesbian and, and that's it. Do you see attitudes changing anytime soon or do people just love the binary too much? Ah, the binary. I can't see the, that attachment or obsession uh, going anywhere anytime soon. I think we're heading in the right direction. And it's only from exposure that we can challenge it. But it's like you were saying about the different reactions to how uh, Jake comes out. Everyone has a different stake in you. Mm-hmm. And so Amelia, who's his girlfriend at, when the book opens, and Hannah, who's his best friend from university, they have a very different uh future with jake once his sexuality is revealed obviously for amelia it's it's over not i don't think that's a spoiler to say it's it's over Mm. once jake expresses that yes he's bisexual but he also wants to explore it but with hannah this is like the best thing that's ever happened to her she's got a gay best friend she kind of she knew she's she's that person in your life who always knew (laughs) and is desperate to tell you that they always knew and you know she takes him to a gay bar when he's straight and he's like looking around going hell are we doing here you know and she but she knew and she was trying to tease it out of him and once once he tells her she feels validated and yet it doesn't go how she expects because he does that thing of wanting to push himself away a bit Mm. from people's perceptions and um her idea is great i've got a gay best friend let's go clubbing and shopping and he's like oh actually i just want to find myself and you're a bit of a reminder of my old life with his straight best friends uh, charlie and adian obviously that's even more different because they are men, straight men, and they, you know, they just thought he was quiet and weird. They didn't realize that mm. there was this extra element to his personality. And they don't, you know, they, are, they want to show how cool they are with it. And obviously in doing that, they are a complete disaster doing it. And yet they'd still think, you know, 
that he's maybe not being honest with himself or that, you know, don't you need to declare your sexuality to everyone you meet, that kind of thing. They, they, mm. They're very big on the honesty and the, the openness about it, which, you know, sometimes you do want to keep it to yourself a bit and not mm. quite expose mm-hmm. every, every layer of you. But I suppose it's, it, that's what it's like. You know, you come out over and over again, you know, all the time. When Every interaction you have as a person who's LGBTQ, you are in some way, you know, your sexuality is ever-present. You, are, you have no control over how, how this person reacts to you. You could go into a coffee shop and it's a homophobic barista who will pick up that you are, for example, a gay man from your voice or the way that you order too many options in your latte <laughs> and, and treat you differently from how you would another customer. And even if they don't, you're worried they will. Mm. And it's a constant thing. I think Jake's reaction to another person in the book that is also obviously going on their own journey and he is oh with harry yeah i didn't know yeah, whether he's to... awful. <laughs> because obviously that the the way that that pans out is we find out that that is a, a journey in itself and mm-hmm. he is a he's oblivious to it and or chooses chooses to not see it as as what it what it is he only which I think sees is that relationship with harry through his own lens of mm. i you know quite early in the book uh harry and jake go on a business trip and masturbate together and jake only sees that in the lens of what an effect that has on him and what that means for him and you know the fact that jake's done that doesn't mean he's gay is harry gay uh do i fancy harry you know and he's kind of he only sees that as an awakening in himself and he never stops really to consider what that would have meant for harry mm-hmm. and it's become like you say it's it's a huge spoiler but who cares but as we see <laughs> as we see as the book comes on you know, he has to think about, basically throughout the book, Jake has to stop looking inward and start looking, looking outward. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly a thing with Harry because it's, it's not just as simple as we got drunk and we wanked together. And as far as the straight guy is concerned, that's it over. And I'm here and Jake's here left with all these problems and all these emotions that nobody else has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as well as all of, you know, the external, um, biphobia homophobia in the book there is a thread of internalized homophobia and biphobia and i think like you're saying with jake um being quite introspective initially but slowly starting to understand you know harry and other people in his life as the book goes on i think that's quite a common thing with with any lgbt person because you know you do have to get to know yourself again in this world and in the con- new context um, before you can really open yourself up fully to understand other people, yeah. um, which can be quite <laughs> detrimental to those people. Um, and I do resonate a lot with Jake in terms of how he saw the gay community initially and, you know, the problems he identified in his brother being too flamboyant. Um, and as well, you know, we see it from Trick's perspective, his younger brother, um, with his YouTube video feeling like he's not comparing himself to others and not good enough. Um, was this an important thing for you as well to, to write about? Yes, because I'm always very hesitant to start blaming other LGBTQ people for problems that, you know, I've had as a gay man. A lot of them have been my own insecurities and my own, uh, perceptions which have been fed into what I've learned from the behavior of straight people around me. But it's true, isn't it? In that mm-hmm. we often, uh, 
our internalized homophobia is like that, like I talked about when we first come out, that distancing of yourself from what you believe to be gay stereotypes and not like the others. So, so Jake thinks that his younger brother trick is, is too gay. He's, uh, you know, he dresses quite flamboyant, not that flamboyantly really, but it's a bit you know, fashion, he's, isn't he? He's, 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 a, he's, he's a fashion gay, you know, he's, yeah. a, he's a young baby gay who's yeah. very into fashion. He's a YouTuber. He, you know, he's very drag race. He's very, you know, he has a lot of self-empowerment mottos. He has a diverse group of friends. He is very, on the surface, very confident. He likes performing, you know, there is... There are apparently, to a casual observer, it was seen there are no hidden levels to trick. He is all the, all out there all the time. And Jake's obviously envious because he can't be like that. And he doesn't respond to, to gay men who are like that. He doesn't fancy them probably as well is, is another thing. And he finds that kind of behavior unattractive. And we do have a huge problem, don't we, among gay men, gay and bi men, I suppose, that campness is seen as inherently more unattractive mm-hmm. than this other stereotype that's coming in now of the straight acting, very, mm-hmm. very much acting. Um, gay guy who you wouldn't be able to tell if they were gay, and that's apparently a bonus. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exhausting, it's knackering, and sometimes I think we have enough problems with everybody else without too much navel-gazing. But Trick has his problems too, and he, you know, there's a part in the book where Jake takes Trick to task for the way he's dressed to go and pick their nephew up from school. And, you know, um, he says, you know, and Trick says, you know, I know what people say about me. I know, I know how they look at me. I know that they say I'm too camp. I'm not stupid. I just choose to, to ignore it. And there's a scene when Trick is very young and he, uh, a neighborhood bully is making fun of him for wearing fairy wings, I think. And, Jake says, you know, have you, and a younger Jake says, have you ever considered maybe just, you know, kind of not wearing that, you know, in case, or wearing it just in, at home with us in case anybody else sees. And Trick says, probably one of my favorite lines in the book, I want them to see <laughs> because he, he wants to be himself. But mm. as he gets older, he realizes that society is probably not going to let him be that way. And he's cocooned at the moment. He goes to a very nice school and he has his nice friends and they're all in the same bubble. And he's starting to realize that the world is not always going to be that way. And once he gets out there, he's probably going to have to do exactly the thing that he loathes Jake for doing. He will have to start hiding parts of himself away, which is a shame. So, yeah, I mean, we both we both loved reading the book, but something not book-related now, just a quick one. You've written a couple of pieces for GQ um, on the topic of mental health. Obviously, Bottoming is a mental health podcast. Yes. Um, so you've written about how to worry less and the benefits of calm. Um, how have you managed your mental health this year? It has been a challenge, but if I do say so myself, I think I've coped better than I had imagined in all my catastrophizing, better than Mm -hmm. I thought I would, definitely. I've kept things quiet and I've kept them small and I've focused on uh, getting through each day and having little routines that I enjoy. So there'll be the Mm -hmm. meditation. Uh, Me and my boyfriend have lunch together and we'll watch one of the, you know, a 20-minute sitcom um, going from regular walks and that kind of thing. Sounds boring. A bit like what I imagined being a pensioner is going to be like. <laughs> but, uh, but a bit more focused and with a view that it's not forever.
we actually found a couple of resources online. Um, Stonewall have a coming out guide for uh, young people as well as a stay safe online document because a lot of people um, are actually choosing to come out online via social media. I guess it's the modern way of coming out on MSN, Matthew, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also the LGBT Foundation, which have a little section about coming out as well as the coming out stories of some of their staff members. And I think it's also just important to say as well that like you don't need to come out mm. until you're ready. Mm. Don't feel you don't need to feel a pressure. You don't need it's not a a necessity. Um you'll know when it's when you're ready to do. I think for quite a while there was a big emphasis on, you know, come out and the it gets better campaign and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. um a lot of people are not in environments where they are safe to do mm-hmm. so. So yeah, take your time to make sure that you're comfortable with yourself, know that you're safe mm-hmm. um, and surround yourself with, with people that you're comfortable with sharing this with because, yeah, coming out should always be on your terms. Thank you again, Justin, for sitting down with us. It was really, really great to chat. And mm-hmm. again, we really loved your book and mm-hmm. can't wait to see what's coming next. Yeah. So again, Magnificent Sons out April 15th um, in paperback. So yeah, make sure you grab a copy. We will put the link um, on our website as usual and um, share across our socials too. So be sure to check that out. But thanks again for listening. In two weeks time, we are back <gasps> with... You're just like one of the most genuinely gorgeous, hilarious, beautiful <laughs> human beings. Yeah, we've waited on this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very excited to share that next episode we're going to be speaking to UK comedy icon, Attitude Magazine award winning, uh. Rosie Jones. Oh. We are very excited to share the next episode. So, so excited. As always. Yeah, if you aren't already, subscribe to make sure you get this episode ASAP Rocky as soon as it comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and while you're there, leave a little bit of a review. Mm-hmm. I won't get on my knees this time because no, I'm still sore. Still sore from last time. <laughs> from all the begging. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Got a hat out and everything. Um, yeah, please do that. Otherwise, we'll see you in two weeks. We'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. You're doing amazing sweetie 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 it sounded like you were falling (laughs) off a cliff (laughs) that was what I wanted (laughs) love ya okay bye A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365 day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 